Welcome in to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, Professor Burgess and Bussy here again, uh, trying our best to hand out uh, master degrees in common sense, which is now a superpower. And Bubba, if if you and I were putting together a Rick and Bubba University football team, I've got our coach. Yep. Uh, we got him. He's uh, in the house. Uh, our guest <laughs> on this edition is Coach Trent Dilfer. Coach, welcome to Rick and Bubba University. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. And, you know, you – we have a lot to talk about and uh, and a short time to get it done. Uh, the, the Trent Dilfer story has got a lot going on, and we do want to get to what you're currently doing, but a lot of times we like to, you know, at least go back and talk about some of the things that, um, you know, a lot of people are familiar uh, to, and that is your own football career. Uh, and you uh, playing in, in the NFL. And as we told you uh, out at uh, the golf course not too long ago there in Birmingham, that Bubba and I were there in the stadium in 1997 when you quarterbacked uh, the Baltimore Ravens, Ravens to a Super Bowl championship. Of course, you did a lot of other things, but, I mean, when you when you can wear that Super Bowl ring. That's pretty big, awesome. Isn't that's, it, that, that's an elite group. You guys are getting so old you forgot the year. Two thousand. Is it yes, two thousand? Where did I get ninety seven? Super Bowl thirty five. Thirty five. Okay. Yeah. By the way, you're by ninety seven was the lucky year I made the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. I see that now. You're right. <laughs> I got two thousand. Because when I saw that, I saw did Bubba and I go to the Super Bowl after we'd only <laughs> before we ever even came to Birmingham? Yeah. That, yeah. Because we didn't yeah. get to Birmingham until nineteen ninety eight. So two thousand thirty four seven, and you know the recent. And when I talked to you out at the golf course, we were doing the Celebrity Pro Am. You had still not seen the documentary. I still uh, haven't seen uh, it. Th- that ESPN did on that season. You still haven't I seen still it? still haven't seen it. Can I tell you, it's a good documentary. I, I, people come up to me all the time and tell me how good it is. I just haven't had the time <laughs> uh, to watch it. I will. I guess I will at some point. Well, you, you made some great points uh, in, in, that, uh, in the documentary, but looking back on that team, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, the 2000 – Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens, they they have to go. I mean, you don't I know you'd say, well, every team that won the Super Bowl, Rick, could be considered to be an elite team, but then there's those that are special even in that group. And and that was a dominant team. Yeah, I think the defense obviously is why it's probably considered one of the, the greater teams of all time. It um you know, and it's hard to it's hard to talk to a modern day audience about it because football's changed so much. That's so right. much. Right. Um you know that was that was a year in 2000 where this unique group of defensive players, great humans, great competitors, um, went circa 1975. Yeah, you know they just bought into some old school values that took it it maximized their potential. It poured gasoline on their dominance because it was about toughness and grit and <clears throat> trust and chemistry and. Um, Violence, to be honest with you, which yeah, is yeah. a bad word now yeah, in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, to, to be able to line up every week and say, we are going to knock you back. You're not going to move us. We're going to tackle on the first. The first guy is going to tackle. The second guy is going to knock your block off and strip the ball. And we're going to do it again and again and again. And you're just, you're not going to move the ball on us, let alone score. Like, you're just not going to move the ball on us. And, it, it just was so dominant that from an offense perspective, you know, I think the best thing I did that year was have wisdom at a young age to be like, don't mess up a good thing. Like, people ask me all the time, were you a game manager? I'm like, uh, yeah, like I want to <laughs> win. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why would I throw the dig route with the guy NFL open? Let's wait for him to be high school open when I can check it down, move the chains, punt, pin, and get the ball back at better, better field position. Um, 
and it's a terrible way to play quarterback because it kind of it neuters you to a certain degree. <laughs> but you win, and right. the end of the day is you know this game's about winning and losing. It's not about what you put on the stat sheet, and and we bought into it as a team. We just I mean I remember this come to Jesus meeting where Rod Woodson kicked out everybody in the building except the team. Every coach looked at Brian Milk said, "Get your guys out of here, like get them out of the building." We're, we're figuring this thing out, and we just kind of all agree that, guys, we have something special if we all buy in to not make it about us. Like, yeah, Ray's going to get a ton of yeah, hype, and this right. guy's going to sure. – but really it's it's 53 of us, because that's what it was at the time, 53 of us buying in to something bigger than ourselves. We know yeah. what we have. And Ray and Sarah Goose and Sam Adams and Rod Woodson stood up and said, hey, nobody will score on us. We are that good. Yeah. What are you guys going to do with it? And we said, okay, we're going to run the flipping ball. We're going to have high completion percentage. We're going to try to convert some third downs. We're going to kick field goals. We had a great kicker, Matt Stover. Let's get a lead. That was the biggest thing is let's find a way to get a three- or ten-point lead, and we'll never lose another game, and we didn't. Yeah, because up to that point, you know, part of the staff being removed, even the coaching staff, they kept trying to do things – Yes, in a way that were it was costing you ball games. So what was happening and, was they yeah. they had come from this really aggressive mindset. Brian Billick had a ton of success in Minnesota. Yeah, um, throwing the ball deep, right? And but he had Randy Moss, he had Chris Carter, he had uh, I forget that Cunningham, guy. the quarterback. Yeah, Cunningham, yeah. another receiver that was dominant. Uh, Reed, the six three, six four kid, and we weren't that. You know, what I mean, I was hurt for one. Like I played the whole year injured, so my talent was 70 percent. Um, we had speed, but not length. What we really had was, was tough guys. You know, we had two really good running backs, Priest Holmes and Jamal Lewis. We had tough receivers that would go across the middle. We had two great tight ends, both hall of famers, Shannon Sharp and Ben Coates. So we were more of a possession team and we, we had to kind of convince them like, no, this is the formula this year. may not be next year, but this is the formula this year that works. And once we got out of that, and understood who we are, then it was, I mean, we never, there was never a game outside that first game against the Steelers that we lost, my first start. There was never a game where I felt like the game was in jeopardy except when I threw the pick six against Tennessee and they took the lead late in the game then we went on a two-minute drive to win it. That was the only time that entire run that I felt like, oh gosh, we might lose a game. And it was my fault. Well, watching that, you know, when you're talking to veterans and you're on the team with Shannon Sharp and Rod Woodson, you know, when they come into your life, of course, you'd been around a while too. Yeah. But but there was there there had to be like you said, there's leadership that you and the two of them were bringing to the table that a lot of these guys benefit benefited from greatly because you can't create the wisdom of a veteran without veterans. And it was a selflessness. It right. was a you know, it was leadership revealed in selflessness and unwisdoms. Discernment might be a better word. That's probably a better word um, for football players. Yeah, for a football player. <laughs> Um, like we knew we're like, we have our scar tissue. Like yeah. we, we all had scar tissue. We all had our successes. Um, we'd all kind of gone on this journey and to teach a bunch of young guys, like, Hey, we're not just saying this, like, listen to us cause we're important, but like, we got something special here. If you guys buy into this, like if you can buy into what we're selling, um, it'll change your life. And it did. I mean, it changed a lot of our lives. Yep. Ray, Ray's life was going to be great no matter what, but <laughs> yeah. like. A lot of our lives, we went on, a bunch of us did TV, made a ton of money in TV. You don't go do TV unless you have a Super Bowl. That's you know right. I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can be incredibly good looking like you two. But right, right. 
Yeah, we but get how far can that take? That you? only takes you so far. Yeah, there's right. there's, a, there's a ceiling to that. Right. Um, but like you know, winning a Super Bowl, um, going down as one of the greatest teams ever. Like, and we would explain this because it's going to change. It's going to help you make more money in free agency. You know, a lot of those guys left that team and hit the jackpot in free agency. That doesn't happen if they don't win a Super Bowl. So um, it, it was really, and it's what I'm selling this team on. It's like if you can buy into this thing that's bigger than you, which is hard for modern day athletes to do. Oh, now more than ever, something special is out there for you, Coach. We uh, we were on the side. You're talking about Ray Lewis. We were on the sidelines of a game with the Titans, and I, I don't know if you were quarterback in that year or not. It was in Nashville. Ray Lewis and Eddie George yep. hit uh, each other going wide open. Unbelievable. About three foot in front of us. Mm-hmm. And I thought two cars had run into each other. I thought neither one of them's going to get up. It was a different. And, and it was a collision. Yeah, they don't have them anymore. Right now they penalize them. Um, Eddie and I are really good friends. We're in Nashville together. We did a, actually a Heisman um high school Heisman show together one time. And we we're telling those stories, Ravens, Titan stories. And, and Eddie is, if you haven't been around Eddie, Eddie is one of the best put together men on the yes, planet. Yes, he is. Yes. Like he not is. only is just good looking and smart, but like his shoulders look like yeah. a defensive lineman. His, he just is a physical specimen. And, you know, you think about that power size, explosive, qualities of both those humans hitting wow. each other full speed was, you could feel it in yes. your feet well you could yeah. feel it on the field yeah. as a quarterback like, i bet <laughs> when, when those things happened you were like i was on the sidelines going oh gosh like it was in the nfl we say that there are plays that you hear and there's plays that you feel yes not when you're in them like yeah. on the sideline oh like yeah you would feel now, we felt the force of it I, literally i felt it it wasn't like oh wow that it, that was loud you that, could feel it yeah. there's and some both of them jumped right up got in each other's yeah. face was jawing right they're great friends yeah. oh they're great friends yeah. i'll but give you some others for yeah. nfl fans out there in my 14 year experience you know uh derek thomas had a feel to him like you there was this electricity around his body yeah reggie white um ed reed uh, Troy Polamalu. Um, there's these handful of guys that when you're on the field with them, they're just different. It, it just feels different. It sounds different. Kind of it aura smells different. There's an aura. It's <laughs> yeah. like there's this gold halo around them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're on the hunt. Eddie and Ray are two of those two. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation with Trent Dilfer. We're in Rick and Bubba University. The podcast continues. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. So let's talk about some of the choices that we make out there when it comes to the products that we use. We just got a call this week on the big show, Bubba. Somebody saying, I just, is, is there anywhere to go where I could just have a service that's really good and I don't have to, you know, look at all the different movements of the day and all the wokeness and then I have to bow to this and pretend that I'm okay with this. And You mean a product without politics? Yeah, a product right. without politics. Well, Patriot Mobile is ready to go. Uh, now, the first thing you're thinking, is, can, can I get the same coverage with them that I can with the big three? And the answer is yes. They all use the, the same towers, and, and, and they can get you the same service. And here's what Patriot Mobile says. If you don't believe we're giving you uh, you know, coverage and service that is as good and better than what you already have, then we'll switch you back at no, at no charge. Uh, they're America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They've got the nationwide coverage that all the three major networks have. Uh, but... They also take you out of the world 
of bowing to whatever the latest mob wants you to bow to, when maybe that's not what you believe. So uh, right now they got a 100% U.S.-based customer service team. Making the switch is easy. Keep your phone. Keep your number, too, if you want to. Uh, just go to PatriotMobile.com. Yes, you have a choice. PatriotMobile.com slash Rick Bubba or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Trent Dilfer is our guest on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So you mentioned how the game is different. You know, you 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 played in an era where it was – I mean, I was telling Bubba the other day, my, my dad's a retired football coach too, and I was watching one of his better teams on the highlights that went to the championship and everything – and I've seen the watch the documentary review with the Ravens and and that whole era that you played. And when you're watching it now, coach, you do this. Oh, oh wow, wow. It's like you're watching a different game. They're shocked. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's a shock value. And I thought that's a penalty, that's a penalty. And the thing that got me, things that are now a penalty on these highlights, everybody's getting up and saying, outstanding job, great <laughs> job. That's the way to get it done. And you mentioned it in the documentary, but I want to ask you about coaching too, and we'll talk about all the coaching that you've done and what you're currently doing. So you you have the career and in, 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 in a great career in the NFL. You go on and become an analyst. You do that for you know what about what nine, nine years, years. Yep. and and then you've returned. You start to return to coaching, which I'm going to ask you about that process. But I was asked, and Bubba's heard me talk about this one time to help with one of the local teams. And I said this. I said, I, I don't think I could. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I don't know how to coach the game. I said, the game that I played and the game that is out there now is so different, I wouldn't coach it right. And I would have to relearn the game again. You, I see you nodding. And, and also, we can't compare eras because you as a quarterback and your receivers, what people could do to you and them, you can't do to receivers or quarterbacks now Taking nothing away from the elite quarterbacks. They're no. phenomenal players. Incredible. But it's two different worlds. Okay. Uh, There's a big I, – I hear the question in there. Yeah. Um, I'm trying not to get you in trouble. Or no, I'll, yeah. let's, I'll say whatever. I, yeah, yeah. Well, you seem pretty frank. frank but I, I think the hard thing is – well, there, there's two pieces to this answer. One is do I agree with what's happening and can I adapt to right. what's happening? There you go. Yeah. Um, you know, greatness is found in problem solving. <laughs> so <laughs> you have a problem. Me, the football player, grew up with a certain DNA of football that is no longer, you can't coach that anymore. The solution is have a mastery of taking advantage of the modern day rules. Does that make sense? There you go, yeah. yeah. So I had a distinct advantage in my coaching career. It's that when I I was actually a coach while I played. So the end of my career, I was teams kept wanting to sign me to be the backup quarterback, but really to be a coach or a management right. person. So, so you always had that. Yeah, I mean, I sat with Al Davis the, right before I re, uh, retired, and he wanted to sign me to a player slash head coach contract. Um, I haven't told that story publicly very often, but then I tore my Achilles with my family on a summer vacation and right. it's no longer an option. That's why I went into TV. Uh, the Niners tried to hire me as an assistant GM. The Cowboys tried to hire me as a coach, you know, all these different places tried to hire me as I was transitioning out. So I was coaching while playing. Well, then when I went to TV and early on, I realized that I was coaching. I was coaching people on TV 
what to look for. Like half the people hated me on TV, but half the people loved me because when they watched me, they had a better appreciation for what they're about to watch on Sunday or Monday night because I was giving them kind of the behind the veil stuff. I never did the surface level stuff, like the whole argument about who's the best. I was like, that's a stupid conversation. Let's talk about something that you can watch tonight and come away. Tell me something we don't know. If you're, if you're a roll tide fan, man, you want to know something that Nick Saban does that differentiates him from everybody else schematically. So you can go to your water cooler and brag to your buddy. Well, I was the guy that taught him that. So I was coaching, but the same time I was running elite 11. So I'm dealing with the high school space. I'm dealing with the college space because with Elite 11, I'm talking and hanging out with a lot of college coaches, and I'm studying all week for the NFL stuff. So I'm studying all three layers of football. And what I learned was the game was changing from working top down from bottom up, that what you're seeing was that the high school game was starting to dominate the college game. The college game was starting to dominate the pro game. Stick with me here for a second. So I became an observer. I became a learner of how football was changing and the trends that it was going on. So when I stepped out of retirement to coach one of the worst high school programs in the country, it was a great beta test for me to say, with all this knowledge I've gained from observing all three levels of football, can I implement into a program a way that maximizes the trends of rule changes and bring back appropriate old school values that have kind of been lost with the chalk world of the modern day coach and hire people that are like-minded, that have the same problem solving capabilities and aren't going to whine about it not being the way that it used to be, right? Because if you're doing that, you're not solving a problem. So we just became football problem solvers. And that's, I mean, if you ask me what's the number one thing I do at UAB, I solve problems. That's true. That's that's what you're doing. Your every day has challenges. You almost do that when you go to the line every yeah, play. Right, yeah. there, it's you? amazing how much it's, it's like playing quarterback. It's amazing yeah. how much at 51 yeah. I'm reliving what I did in my 20s and 30s. I'm hopefully just doing it a heck of a lot better than I did in my 20s <laughs> and 30s. So the game has changed, no question about that. But as you said, but I'm coaching in the way the game is now. So I'm starting to learn how do you take advantage of the way it's done now. What is the biggest change yeah, what, you've seen? Well, you've had to make an adjustment in what sta- you like to so do. So I've said this, David. I'm a, again two two part answer. One, you're probably going to ask me about the college, the climate of college football, and all the challenges that come. My goodness, I have a distinct advantage over Nick and all these other guys. I'm not better than them. They're way better than me. I don't know the other way. Okay, all of these dudes in college football. That's knew, true. Knew the old way. They had to adjust. They've had you to adjust. You came into it while this was already going on. That's all I know. Right. I only know NIL. I only know two portal windows that are at the yeah. wrong time. I only know <laughs> I only know this. So I came in fired up about the climate of college football where everybody else is pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah. That's an advantage. Like my building, when I walk around my building, there's 165 in that building every single day. And we say every day is a hard day, but there's no bad days. There you go. There's no problems. There's only solutions. Like, I don't want to hear the whining, complaining, it should have been, this is hard, we don't have this, 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 and that. We're talking about solving problems, finding solutions, and we're jacked up. We are fired up that this is our this is our situation. Take it for what it is, and we got to maximize this. And I think I have an advantage there. Well, and also the fact that you did go to high school, which that wasn't yeah. like pro, but you've basically gone back to pro football. Yes. 
I mean, you Which, know pro football. I got offered assistant general manager jobs, right. working with salary caps. So working. you're back to doing that again because college does that Yes. Now. Like, yeah. it, it's not – none of this has been like, oh, wow, I didn't expect this. All this has been, oh, cool, here's something I get to tackle. Like, right. I'm equipped for this. You know, I, I own car dealerships. I ran big budgets. I had a ton of employees. I, you know, I've, I've launched the Elite 11 and was the CEO of that. I've done things – that create a skill set and I messed up at them, right? I failed at them, Everybody learned at does, them, yeah. create a skill set to jump into what now the head football coach of a college football program is really just kind of a, a Swiss army knife CEO. Yeah. And I talked to, and I won't name who it was, but a coach who's had to come from the way it used to be to the yeah. way it is now. And he said, I grossly miscalculated how exhausting this NIL is. Yep. It is taking up every minute of my day, it does. and I want to coach. And I and I even even the recruiting has changed. I feel like I'm. It feels like pro football to them, and they've never done pro football. So I would change my. I, I would agree with everything said, except I get to do it. There you go. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. This is a get to business. Anytime you talk yeah. to a coach or talk to an athlete, make sure you you make sure you remind them that this is a get to business. This isn't a have to business. You don't have to coach. Right. I don't have to make all this money. Right. All right. My coaches don't have to make all this money. Right. These kids don't have to get full ride scholarships to a great institution. Right. It's a get to. It's a get, get to. to. Yeah. This is a get to business, baby. <laughs> and our building is a get to building. We walk in that building. Like we get, to, I get to tackle this kid's issues today. I get to co-parent with this family. I get to get messy with him. I get to handle NIL. I get to handle the transfer portal. I get to go to practice today. I get to be exhausted. I get to work 20 hours today. Listen, I retired. I lived <laughs> on the lake. I played golf 218 times in 2018. Most people are like, you got to do that. I did. It had no purpose. I get to do this. <laughs> it had no purpose. Yeah, I don't I see, you, I don't do see you retiring. No, good. you don't have. Oh, that I got juice now. Like, yeah, do I get when I hit the bed, man? It doesn't take me long to go to sleep except my broken bones. But like, I wake up tingly. Yeah. Like, I tell my team, like, Let's I wake go. up and the hair on the arms are standing up. I get to do this. I get to be with these kids today. Like, yeah. I get to be with these coaches. Like that. That jumps me out of bed. Great. I'm glad whoever your buddy is is tired. I'm glad these guys are complaining. I'm glad the 13 teams we play next year, 14 teams we play next year, they're tired and complaining about NIL and they're worried about the portal and they're trying to because I get to do this every single day. Let's come back more with our conversation with Coach Trent Dilfer when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. All right, so let's talk about fast growing trees. Uh look, why why spend all this money? Uh, on landscaping and plants and all this, and only so they come to die. Uh, and, and look, fastgrowingtrees.com is going to make this process so simple. Have you ever had your wife roll over to the nursery, pick up a bunch of stuff, you go out there, it's turned over on its side, there's dirt everywhere inside the car, and then you have no idea how you're supposed to plant this stuff, and if you needed help, <laughs> how are you going to get in touch with anybody? So go to fastgrowingtrees.com. This is going to make beautifying your property uh, something enjoyable, not something uh, that, that seems like an ongoing war. Uh, their plant experts, uh, they, they, t they give you thousands of easy-to-grow plants, shrub, tree varieties, and here's the key. They will help you pick the right plants. you got to know where you live. you got to know your climate. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know if, if you want Meyer lemons, maybe your climate won't work with that. Maybe the evergreen is what you need, everything in between. 
Happy plants, happy home. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to know which ones are the best. That's why they're there. No problem. Fastgrowingtrees.com gets you customized recommendations based on your very specific needs, and their plant experts are always available to help keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. You like waiting in uh, long lines at the nursery? You like hauling the heavy plants around? Uh, no. Why don't you just order online? They arrive right at your door in just a few days. And I will tell you, my wife loves the service of fast-growing trees. They've got 30-day alive and Thrive Guarantee. Everything will look great fresh out of the box. So let's get it done and get 15% off right now by going to fastgrowingtrees.com slash bubba. That's fastgrowingtrees.com slash bubba. Get 15% off the entire order just because you've got Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Trent Dilfer is our guest, and uh, he's got us fired up. I'm ready to run through a wall, and I want him to put me in the game, and I'm going to make a play. I think I got one more still in me. Coach, I, I want to ask you another high school question, and mm-hmm. then we'll get into more of what's going on now. When you, you, you said you took over one of the worst programs in the country, what did you do to change that immediately? Other than attitude, which obviously you have to do, but what what changes did you make? Because – Honestly, in most high school programs, you have to play with what the moms bring you. Yeah, that's a loaded question. I don't want to eat up too much of our time with this. Um, yeah, they were 3,000th in the country, I think, was their Good max gracious. repping or something. We had 38 kids on the team when I got there that first spring in the weight room. Six lifted with the PVC pipe because they weren't strong enough to lift the bar. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I cried the first time I watched the film. <laughs> There's this great coach. He'll he'll be a star one day. He's at Vanderbilt right now as an analyst. His name's Trenton Kirkland. He was my offensive coordinator, helped me kind of build the thing at Lipscomb. And uh, we cried. We hadn't watched the film because you couldn't get it on. Their huddle was so bad, you couldn't get it. So we're sitting in probably our second day there. We're sitting in this what we call the aquarium, this little downstairs cave of an office. And we put on, let's, let's watch them. So we said, let's watch their defense against their best opponent. And they had kids scurrying on defense, running out of bounds, so they wouldn't have to tackle a fr- no. yes, freshman running back. Um, a freshman running back on a varsity game, and our kids were running out of bounds not to tackle them. So you know, we started with – Now I'm crying. We started with nothing. Um, I, I would say core values. I would say it really started with getting the school – to buy into, we're gonna as a as an institution, we're gonna start spreading a different message that hard things are good things, that big mountains to climb are what kids need, metaphorically, that um, being uncomfortable is a good thing. Like instead of coddling yes. our community, yes. we are gonna challenge our community. There was no win loss goal. There was no it was just, hey, we gotta maximize each individual, and that's that's teacher, administrator, volleyball player, football player, basketball player, whatever it is. Total and that, there was a total resistance against that because you go to a Christian school in Nashville naturally to protect your kid, right? Like that—that's the ultimate motivation. Is oh, let's go give them a, a safe environment, right. and we're like, yeah, it needs to be safe. Actually has to fit your family's core values, but you need challenge. You need hard things. You need right. you need to be hardened in that experience because you're going to be a better man. You're going to yeah. be a better woman. You're going to be a better wife, husband, father, mother, and and just standing on my soapbox on that. Now we got 
minimal buy-in at first, but what happened was the athlete community in our school and in neighboring uh, places around Nashville, all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, as a parent, I want my kid to be part of that. So admissions, we were 79 below our admissions goal when I got there. The next year we have a waiting list. Well, naturally at a private school, some of those are athletes. You can't recruit. Everybody said I recruited. You can't recruit. Right. What you do is you create a really cool so landscaping yeah. and that front people porch want to be a part of. that people yeah. want to go walk through that right. beautiful landscaping onto Clear that front that. porch before they open that door right. and walk into the house slash the institution. So we created that pretty front porch, that beautiful landscaping. And now you have families that had never gone to this school, never thought about this school now flocking to be part of something hard. Now the secret sauce came. Now we're like, now we have buy-in of community to go tackle something hard together. So year one, they go from, I don't know, one and whatever I was before I got there, it was seven and six. We hit the state semifinal game. Everybody's excited. And I come back with a message of, of hey, okay, but that's not the standard. The standard is to win with the trophy, right? right. The standard is to push harder. And it was just this constant applying of pressure to do more hard things that all of a sudden an entire institution bought into and the football team, but our baseball team lost in the state finals. Our basketball team went to the final four, which was all football players. Our girls uh, soccer team for the first time got, went places like all of a sudden the entire, our, our, our orchestra, right? Which is insane. <laughs> wins a championship. Like everybody's winning. Oh, our academics went up. Best GPA in the history of the football team. Oh, best on the baseball team too. Best on the basketball team too. So the overflow, what I say here, the overflow of human development, the overflow of tackling hard things, the overflow of being uncomfortable, the overflow of developing grit and resilience in your life became better performance in every single bucket of their life. Now everybody went, Oh, that crazy guy that has drove us nuts for two years onto something. <laughs> and the coaches, the teachers, the administrators preaching the same thing, all of a sudden now that now it's the premier private school yeah. in Middle Tennessee. Now every bucket is flourishing. Well, I hope they don't forget why. It wasn't to be comfortable no. and soft and protected and coddled. It was actually the opposite, to be stretched and pulled and challenged. And that's where you see the greatness. Well, I would say two things to that, too, and I totally agree with that. And I found some of this. I remember when um, two of my kids went to government schools and, and, and the other two went to, to a, a Christian private school because of different situations. And I remember encountering a little bit of that early on. And one of the things that I find the most offensive about that is the Lord that we're supposedly serving actually said that the way to follow him was narrow and the way was hard. And he said, deny yourself and pick up your cross and the world's going to hate you and your life is going to be better, but it's also going to be more difficult. And most of you aren't man enough to do it. And, and I thought, where did we come off as grace abusers that to be devout followers of Christ was supposed to be easy? He actually said the opposite. He said the road that's easy is wide and most people are on it and it heads to destruction. He said that to follow me, you come to a narrow gate, and the path is hard, and few people are willing to do it. Well, another thing, too. Where did we come up with this soft message at a Christian school? Well, by the way, you just gave like a pregame talk for me. Okay, like, sorry I, about I, that. No, I said that a bunch of times yeah. to our community, to our team, to our coaches. That, that basically, 
exactly what you just said. You know, we try to even simplify it more and say, you know what the world is lacking right now is people that actually want to be set apart. There you go. They want to be seen, but they don't want to be set apart. Amen. And set apart comes with conflict, comes with criticism, comes with hate, comes all these things. But the value of being set apart and what the overflow of that is, is the people you touch in a lifetime is immeasurable. Amen. So our football's team model for four years was be set apart. And not, did we always reach it? No, of we did course, a ton yeah. of stupid things. Right. I did stupid things. We made mistakes, yeah. but then we forgave one. Number one, we learned to ask for forgiveness when we messed up. Admit when it. you messed own up, it. own it, come to your people, your tribe and say, you know what? I failed everybody here. It's all of us. I failed you. Will you forgive me? Yes, we forgive you. Now, no rear view mirror. Let's move on and let's try to be set apart in the next decision we made. And, you know, building that really, you know, people say, oh, we had the best talent. Well, yeah, we had some really talented guys. But I would argue that our bond, our chemistry, our, our, our intangible qualities were the best in the country. And we're unbreakable and unshakable. And that's why we won by an average of 48 points for two years or whatever yeah. it is. That's why we had. Yeah, your last two years, I think out. you were 26 and one. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's and a that was a homer job by a ref. You know? yeah. There you go. <laughs> See there? See how Satan always tries to persecute. The other thing, the second point I was make, and you've made it, and I think people misunderstand this, the, the first one was most important about yeah. you know, who we claim to be. The second is, I think that people crave it. The stuff you do and the stuff other people that I know that do things the way you do them, the biggest misnomer is that you think that people are going to run people off. They crave it. And the ones you run off, that made the team better anyway. They crave it. They're looking for somebody, especially young males. They're looking for somebody to discipline them. They're looking for somebody to be in authority, and they're looking for somebody to push them. They crave discipline. They crave it because they know if you're willing to put in that kind of effort, you really love them. Yeah, we, we call it connection around our building, relentless yeah. engagement. Our players you know, at UAB know that I'll cry with them, but I'll hold them accountable. Right? Yeah. I'll expect high That's- standards of them, but I'll forgive them. And when I mess up, I remember walking to one of my first team meetings. I can't remember what I'd done, but like, I had messed up something. I walked in and said, guys, I, I got to ask for your forgiveness. And they looked at me like I was an alien. Right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I messed this thing up, man. Will you guys forgive me? I, and I, here's what I learned from it. And it won't happen again. And we had someone come up in May that I was, I was doing a, I was out doing a football thing, like, you know, the head coaching thing. And I had to like teamwork. I had to like message them like, Hey, when I come back, I will fix this, but this is on me. And just admitting fault. They're like, men in my life don't do this. Right. And sadly. And then, you know, the co-parenting thing, like they know that, yeah, you, I might be a third teamer, but he cares for me like I'm his son. You know, there, there's some magic to that in what happens in a, in a team environment, a building as we call it in our, in our place. Like our building has a, has a trust to it because they've seen their authoritative figures, their coaches come to them and say, you know what, I, I messed that up, man. I don't, I want you to trust me. And I want you to know that this ain't, this is not going to happen again. And I'll fix this. Yeah. So when they mess up, they come to us and say, coach, man, I'm, I messed up. Can you forgive me? Can we move right. on from here? We'll come back. We'll finish our conversation with Trent Dilfer from Rick and Bubba university. The podcast continues. All right. So bad habits, they're, they're, they're hard to break. I want to take you to a product called fume. 
Uh, and, you know, when they were they were telling me about this at first, I was like, what, what, what in the world? What's this going on with? Well, sometimes, you know, you have these habits that you, 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 you know, kind of it's, it, you know, whatever it may be. You've got a bad habit and you're like, for me to get off this bad habit, cold turkey can can sometimes work. But a lot of times you need something and and fume. It, it is it's it, it, it is a product that is designed for you to, you know, work your way away from some things in your life that may be a bad habit. And, and here's the thing. It's, this is all natural. And uh, if you're like me, I, I, I fidget a little bit. You ever seen you got the uh, little Rick, fidget? Are you kidding me? I, am a fi- fidget? I will fidget. It's like it's pent-up energy. <laughs> and and this product, really, the way it's it's great, it's enjoyable, it's easy. Uh, there's 100,000 customers already and thousands of success stories. There's no reason that fume cannot help you. Okay, instead of uh, this habit being bad, fume is actually good. Uh, You're free to enjoy. It makes replacing your bad habits easy. It comes with adjustable airflow dial. It's designed with movable parts, magnets for fidgeting, like I talked about, giving your fingers a lot to do. It's helpful for de-stressing anxiety while breaking that bad habit. It tastes delicious, more flavorful than you thought. Feels very fresh. It'll give you fresh breath. Uh, It's it's well weighted, perfectly balanced, extremely fun uh, to use, and and it's got it's made with real wood uh you feel cool using it so why don't you stop you know putting off that you're not quitting this bad habit just like we just talked about you're not quitting because it's hard well why don't you try something that'll actually work tryfume.com now that's f-u-m tryfume.com t-r-y-f-u-m.com use the code rick bubba save 10 percent when when you get the journey pack today, that's tryfumefum.com. Use the code Rick Bubba, get 10% off right now. Trent Dilfer is our guest. Uh, we've got uh, a few more minutes uh, with Coach. Coach, let me ask you, you uh you and Coach Freeze at Auburn had uh, had got some water stirring this year talking about spring games. Maybe a little different yeah. way to do that. Yeah. Any any movement on that or what's the thought? You know, at the American meetings it kind of poo-pooed the idea for whatever reason um i i do think the one thing i wish i would have said when i was interviewed after that was like i'm open to it our guys have said we'll play in a walmart parking lot we don't <laughs> care when we don't care where we'll play whatever i do think the power five team has to agree to never sign a group of five teams players out of the portal if you do it because this tampering thing is probably the biggest issue in college football right now right um just illegal recruiting of current rosters and you can't it's it would be unwise poor discernment of my end to showcase my players in front of an sec school in a competitive format unless there is an agreement ahead of time that if we play this which we will you can never sign a player off uab's roster that would enter the portal right that would be the only caveat I would have. Now, if we want to go, and I would even say you don't even want to do this group of five to group of five. I mean, this is a bad, this is the this is the one part, again, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just, I'm the one that's actually yeah, has you, the guts to say this out loud, that it's amazing how talented these power five head coaches are. They know your rosters well. They know that their roster. Yeah. I mean, that's mind boggling right there. I, I'm struggling just to learn my right, roster. Yeah, right. <laughs> but. You know, it's it's such a real thing through DMs, through third parties, through high school coaches, through street agents. The worst thing we could do would be a terrible representation to my president to take my team, which I really like. <laughs> I think we got really good players. Yeah. And go say, hey, here's an audition for a team right, that through right. collectives and through NIL can financially 
um, motivate you to come to their place. So that's the one that didn't get talked about in that conversation. But if you just talk about Hugh's comments on it would be good for football, yes, it'd be good for football. It'd be very good to prevent injuries because you get hurt when you're not full speed and you're never full speed in spring ball. Not never, but hardly ever because you're naturally, that's your teammate. Um, when you're the hammer, not the nail, you never get hurt, right? And it being the nail in spring yeah. ball. I think that's what started Hugh's comments, which I appreciate him saying. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, Hugh and our friends, I think the world of the guy. So um, I think it, it's more complex. I guess I could have given a non-Dilfer answer and just given you one line. <laughs> like, it's more complex than people are making it out to be. How will we reel in the NIL situation you were talking about. It, it's pretty much wild, wild west right now with the Supreme Court. And I know that a lot of coaches have spent a lot of time on Capitol Hill this summer trying to put together a plan. Do Where you is- know what happens on Capitol Hill? No, oh, yeah. Nothing. No. <laughs> Nothing's happening with that. There's no, and people are going to tweet me, oh, you don't understand. Mark my words. Ain't nothing happening that's going to change the landscape of here through our government. I mean, that. Right. another topic um i think what's going to happen quote me on this the money's going to run out because you have so many people at the big programs investing hundreds of thousand dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars into prospects and those prospects don't pan out that's right I, we talked about that when it first started what are they going to do when the person gets the money and doesn't pan out and it's happening mm-hmm. now data here's the thing too we had no data Right. Now we have data. Here's the other big one. Group of five player goes to power five program. The data is showing that his draft stock actually falls because he goes there as backup or rotational player when he's leaving a 800 snap a season position. So let's just take receiver X. Uh, receiver X is uh, a group of five's best receiver. Well, he goes to power five uh, SEC school to be the third receiver. Well, production is naturally going to go down. Right. Okay. Right. And I listen. I I admire in the deepest sense some of these coaches in the SEC. But if they think they can develop them better than me, right? <laughs> let's let's have a steel cage match on development philosophies. Right. right? Yeah, okay. I can develop you better here. Uh, Willie Fritz can develop you better at um, Tulane. Um, Jeff Trailer can develop you better at UTSA. If I have you and you're getting all the reps and you're the dude, you're not going to get developed as well as a rotational player. And now data is starting to show that. Right. So that's what you're going to see. And there's 1,500 kids in the portal right now that left places that won't have a landing spot. Like there's right. kids, we scour. Our, our personal department watches portal players from the time they get in the office at 630 till the time they leave at 730, right? There's nothing in there that helps your team. There's 1,500 of them. Right, those kids are losing scholarships. They're going to JC, end up going to JCs. They end up going to places lesser right. than they left. So that the NFL draft data and the money running out is going to slowly stop the madness that's that's happening right now. And you just have to be patient enough to play the long game. And you better have a vibe in your building at the group of five. You better have a vibe in your building that kids are like, you know what. The grass isn't always greener. And I somebody just gave me a sign that says the grass isn't any greener unless it's fake turf. <laughs> and fake and fake is capitalized. And it sits right behind me in my office because I want our coaches, our players 
Ted Feely, Mark Ingram, anybody that sits in that office to look, you know what? We get to do it here. And that grass isn't greener unless it's fake, right? right? And what's happening is a lot of fake is pulling kids from really good situations into lesser situations, whether it be sitting in the portal or going somewhere where they were promised something. It's easy to say stuff. It's hard to be about that action. Oh yeah. And it's easy for a coach to say, oh man, you're going to jump right into this nickel spot and you're going to play on national televised games every week. And that's really easy to say. And then kid shows up and he's like, well, wait a second. Why am I the third guy? Why was somebody in this lifting group? Why was sudden I with the backup academic tutor? Like I was just the man. Right. And now I'm just a guy, a jag, just a guy. So it's all starting to come out. And I'm just sitting there quietly. Remember, this is all I know. Right. I don't know the other way. <laughs> you didn't, you never did this is all I know. And I'm just kind of smirking like, by the way, come try to get my guys. Right. Like, come, I dare you, Power Fives. I can get on any podcast in the country. I can get on any TV show in the country. I got a pretty, pretty big platform that I can step on. Yeah. And if I find you in my kids' DMs, and if I find you talking to high school coaches about my kids, if you're in my roster, I'm going to call your ass out. I'm going to say it by name to the biggest voices in television today, and it's going to make game day, and it's going to make Sports Center. It's going to make, because by the way, those guys running Sports Center are still my friends. That's right. I still got their sale. So go ahead. I dare you to jump into my roster. And I told the American coach the same thing. I said, why don't you guys have the you know what's? To stand up and say, get out of my roster. Right. I said, here's why. Because you want their job. Oh. I want. You said it. I want this job. That's right. I don't want no power. I want this job. I want to live in Birmingham. I want to live downtown. I want to go see my grandson in Nashville. I don't want that other job. So I don't care if you blackball me. Right. I want this job. I want the city of Birmingham to say, no, that's our city. That's our coach. Right. And so go ahead. I'm not scared of whoever, the grand poopah of poopahs, <laughs> to blackball me. Right? Like, get out of my roster. These are my guys. I love these guys. Stay the hell out of it. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Trent Dilfer, our guest today, and thanks to all of you for being here with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.